The committee will come to order. The chair notes the presence of a quorum. Pursuant to committee rules, members of the committee may submit written opening statements for the record. I ask that members may revise and extend the remarks on the bills to be considered at this markup and have those remarks included in the record without objection, so ordered. Without objection, the chair is authorized to declare recess of the committee at any time. Pursuant to committee rule 3I, the chair announces that he may postpone further proceedings today on the question of approving any measure or matter or adopting an amendment on which a recorded vote is ordered. I now recognize myself for an opening statement. So if you had the misfortune of being in D.C. last week, you experienced the smoky haze that descended on us, keeping children indoors, grounding flights, and altogether halting normal outdoor activities up and down the East Coast. And um, I know that correlation doesn't mean causation, but I've had a nasty cough ever since that, uh, that Canadian forest moved in here in, in a gaseous form and took over Washington, D.C., uh, the smoke cleared after a few days in D.C., yet many of my colleagues representing states uh, from the West will be able to tell you that this is their harsh reality for months every summer. Smoke blankets the countryside for hundreds of miles while the wildfires themselves ravage millions of acres in every home and living thing in their path. I refuse to just accept this as the new normal, even though uh, many now refer to wildfire season as wildfire years. You'll often uh, hear people wring their hands over the effects of climate change and propose increasingly outlandish ways to combat it, acting as if we don't already have the largest, most economical, best solution right in front of us, and that's taking care of our forests because forests are carbon sinks. Unhealthy forests, when they go up in flames, emit carbon into the atmosphere. If we want to remove carbon and reduce emissions, we will invest in our forests to make them the healthiest places on earth, and it really is as simple as that. And H.R. 188, introduced by Representative McClintock, would jumpstart responsible forest management across America. This legislation is based on existing authorities that Congressman McClintock championed for the Lake Tahoe Basin. <clears throat> this authority, which allows the agency to complete 10,000-acre categorical exclusions, has proved highly effective and is credited with saving South Lake Tahoe during the Calder fire. When the Calder fire reached areas that had been previously treated using this authority, the fire dropped from the crown of the forest and allowed firefighters the opportunity to safely fight it on the ground. And I will say I had the opportunity to travel out to South Lake Tahoe with Mr. McClintock when this um, this new authority was first being implemented. It was on the, the site that I just referenced where the fire came through and dropped to the ground. And then just last summer, I was back out in South Lake Tahoe, and I saw this authority being used even more uh, in and around and closer to uh, the city. And I would challenge anyone who thinks there's a problem with this just to travel out there and look at the results of this forest management and the health and vigor of the forest and the way uh, that this forest has created a, a safe zone around South Lake Tahoe, protecting so many lives and so many businesses, and keeping the forest intact. It really is a, uh, a field trip that illustrates a success. Uh, unfortunately, less than 100 miles away, towns like Grizzly Flats weren't as fortunate. This town was virtually wiped from the map after a planned fuels management project designed to protect it 
was stalled for decades. Despite its close proximity, this area was not eligible for the Tahoe categorical exclusion and was completely devastated by the Caldor fire. What worked for Lake Tahoe can work for the rest of the country. This bill will help us increase the pace and scale of forest management. Today, we're also considering H.R. 1450 introduced by Congressman Russ Fulcher. This bill revises good neighbor authority to ensure tribes and, and counties are treated as full partners when co-stewarding fire-prone lands. It's my understanding this bill passed unanimously out of the House Ag Committee. Specifically, this legislation allows Indian tribes and counties to retain revenue generated from timber sales under a good neighbor agreement and allows states, counties, and Indian tribes to use such revenue for authorized restoration projects on future good neighbor agreements. And again, I've traveled extensively in the West, and one thing that has been overwhelmingly noticeable is when you go to tribal lands where they're managing the forest, they're, uh, they're on a different scale as far as terms of healthy forest than what we see on the neighboring Forest Service lands. Uh, we can definitely learn uh, from the tribes and use their expertise to make all of our lands healthy. <clears throat> it is bipartisan legislation that is supported by the National Congress of American Indians and the National Association of Counties. We're also moving a package of bills under unanimous consent today that will further empower local communities to address important local issues and manage the land they know best. H.R. 1240 takes specified lands in Iowa into trust for the benefit of the Winnebago tribe in Nebraska and makes the land part of the tribe's reservation. H.R. 1314 expands the National Park Service's authority to enter into public-private partnerships to address housing shortages in gateway communities. H.R. 3371 establishes land to be held in memorial as a sacred site for those killed in the Wounded Knee Massacre in 1890. H.R. 3389 requires the Forest Service and DOI to conduct an evaluation on the use of container aerial firefighting systems. H.R. 3562 amends existing Forest Service authorities to use underutilized federal funds for housing. No federal agency based in D.C. will ever be able to come close to the knowledge and expertise of those who live and work in the communities across the country. The more help we can give to them, the better. These bills do just that. I look forward to moving each of them through the legislative process today. I thank the ranking member and our colleagues across the aisle for um, coming together and to support, I think, most of these bills and the uh, uh, the UC package that we have today. And with that, I recognize Ranking Member Grijalva for any opening statement he may have. Thank you very much, Chairman Westerman. And uh, let me start by, by saying that how, uh, how we are encouraged by the list of measures in front of us today uh, for our consideration. Uh, there's only one item, HR 188, that we oppose and, and will go by regular order. Most of the legislation today will promote tribal self-determination and self-governance improve the federal government's forest management activities, and protect the United States' strategic and economic interest in the Indo-Pacific. Democrats strongly support all of these priorities. I hope that we can uh, continue this bipartisan collaboration as the year progresses. Uh, at the same time, I'm still, still disappointed that the majority continues to largely ignore the need for major historic actions to respond to the climate crisis and address issues of environmental justice. Instead, we continue to see a fixation on eroding the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, as part of an industry-led agenda. Climate change is creating warmer, drier conditions in our forests, making wildfires more intense and more catastrophic. 
It is causing new maximum temperature records across the nation, including what we have seen, what we are seeing in Puerto Rico. Last week, we all experienced very dangerously dangerous air quality caused by Canada's wildfires here in Washington, D.C.s and on the East Coast. Millions of Americans were impacted by that wildfire and that smoke. So I really believe it's time for the majority to tackle the climate crisis head on. Not doing so is irresponsible in the short term and, and dangerous in the long term. And, and attempting to erode NEPA is a grave mistake. But once again, I'm encouraged that today we will mostly be advancing legislation that fosters tribal self-determination, promotes parity for tribes, and protects uh, federal lands. Thanking the uh, chair and ranking member of the Indian and Insular Affairs uh, Subcommittee for their work on, on the majority of this package. Uh, one, one, a piece of legislation, the Urban Indian Health Center Confer Act, which was uh, uh, which was is under UC, is uh, is a piece of legislation that uh, I've developed over the course of the last two or three years, and that is would require the Department of Health and Human Services to confer with urban Indian organizations regarding health care for American Indians and Alaska Natives that are living in urban areas, of which 70% uh, of our indigenous citizens uh, live in these urbans, in the Denver's, Tucson's, Phoenix, Albuquerque's, Minneapolis, New York's of our nation. Uh, and so after COVID, that seemed like the legitimate response to have that inclusion instead of that separation. And this mandates, uh, codifies that the Department of Health and Human Services would have to confer with in urban Indian organizations. Uh, and overnight, uh, we received a, a letter from the National Indian Health Board, uh, Stacy Boland being their executive director, in, in raising concerns about HR 30 and it is uh, infringement upon um, the uh, constitutional trust responsibility and consultation that is required with federally recognized uh, tribes in this country. Uh, the, the issue that she raised is that uh, she raised those issues. This, despite the fact that uh, we passed it out of committee in UC uh, last year, suspension on the floor, and it went to the Senate and, uh, and in 220, the National Congress of American Indians endorsed the concept of requiring, conferring with Indian urban organizations across this country and dealing particularly with all the issues, but uh, healthcare being the primary one. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless, we received the letter and uh, I, don't wanna, uh, I don't want to minimize uh, that letter, and, but we feel that we have an accountable defensible legal piece of legislation that has been vetted over and over again. Uh, we will work with the chair and the ranking member of the subcommittee, the staff will, to initiate discussions with the health board and with other uh, tribal organizations because uh, in the communication we received, uh, uh, the Indian health board uh, and their CEO, Stacy Boland, uh, said that they represented 574 federally recognized tribes, and so that being the uh, I, that being the the important point there. And so I think uh, tribal opinion and 
the legal vetting that has been done and the fact that it has is garnered great support across the country, I think requires uh, that we have that discussion. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I would like to pull that item and if there's no objection and ask of you that uh, we, your, our respective staff negotiate a time certain to bring it back either in UC or in regular order so we can deal with this pressing issue that uh, there's a great demand that we take action on. And thank you very much, I yield back. And without objection, uh, the motion to withdraw is so ordered. Thank you.